wasn't a matter of it takes me X amount of time to go from point A to point B. It's just if I want to go to B, I'm at B. Yeah. If I want to go to infinity, I'm at infinity. Mm-hmm. There's no time. Um, but then it's out, all intent. Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly. And um, we're, we're no longer bound by the limitations of our consciousness, of our even our imaginations, of what we think is possible, relativity, physics. Um, so I'm doing my thing. I'm flying through the cosmos, oh, um, just experiencing this, like, this is fucking cool. Um, and then out of nowhere, right up next to me comes my dad. Hello, it's your host, Kat Walsh, and you're listening to another episode of Trip On This. This podcast is for mature audiences and is not suitable for young children. Trip on this is intended for entertainment purposes only, and we do not condone the use of illegal substances. Enjoy the show. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Trip on This. It's your host, Kat, and it is so wonderful to have you all back here with me today. This next episode has to be one of my all-time favorite episodes that I've recorded so far. I'm with my guest, Chase Schooning. Chase is the host of the popular podcast, Ever Forward Radio, which is focused mainly on health and fitness, personal development, but fairly recently, due to Chase's own psychedelic journeys, he's also taken his listeners on a ride of his experiences. But we get to deep dive on this episode, and it is worth every minute, y'all. Every minute, beginning to end. Not only is Chase just like, shout out to him, like having a conversation with another podcaster, just so eloquent and has so many cool insights to share, but his story, you guys, epic. It's just epic. I, I once come back to me. I want messages after this message, after this, uh, <laughs> this podcast and just being like, wow. He talks about his ketamine assisted therapy session where he had a straight up interstellar moment with his dad who is deceased, who's passed away. He talks about how psilocybin has actually helped all of his physical biomarkers, He talked about his experience with MDMA, just his perspective on all of this. It is such a fun combo, and I really hope you all enjoy it. Few things before the episode begins. There's a few more items of trip on this clothing available before I do a little re-up. If you guys like that pun, it's, you know, it's a psychedelic podcast. Anyway, there are a few more uh, that are on my website. So if you are interested in checking out the gear, please do. And of course, if you're not following me on socials yet, definitely do so. I'll link everything in the description of this episode. Of course, if you're enjoying this episode and think somebody else can benefit from listening, please share it out. It is how this podcast grows and it helps me live my dream. So thank you all so much for tuning in and enjoy the show. Chase, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. First person back in the trip on this studio 2022. I am so excited to speak with you today. Um, I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for having me. This is 
your world and this show and the, the, this topic is such a big interest of mine the last year. And it's just like, I, I think the most excited thing I'm to talk, here to talk about. Uh, I can't wait. I mean, I want to hear, I think the, the first place we should start is just talking about you and your journey. And, you know, I know you're big into health and fitness mm. and just wellness in general, right? Uh, you're an army veteran. Mm. You're new to this kind of psychedelic space a little Ish, bit. Yeah. You're kind of on the journey now. So why don't you just break it down for us a little bit? Where are you from? What got you to this point? So I think my journey is probably like a fair amount of other people's journeys into psychedelics. Um, you're a good boy or a good girl. You come from a, a, you know, a, a small quiet town or a conservative household, you know, religious in my case, grew up Southern Baptist. And um, all of this kind of stuff was wrong and mm -hmm. forbidden and we don't touch it and it's what bad people do and it's what drug dealers do and, you know, gamblers and criminals and crooks and all this stuff. And so that was really my upbringing. I'm from a very small town in southwest Virginia. I uh, grew up Southern Baptist, more or less, grew up conservative. Um, I wouldn't say a very strict household, but there were very clear rules. Right, right. right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there were very cl clear rules. And, you know, I grew up in kind of a military home as well. My father was in the military, grandfather, uncle, gener it's a generational thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was kind of my journey. After high school, I didn't really know, honestly, if we had the money for college, but uh, that was always like, my dad was like, no matter what you want to do, we'll make it happen. But this concept of family legacy of military was a little bit more appealing to me. And so I actually enlisted at 17. I was still, um. I, Christmas vacation of my senior year of high school, I went to swear in. Um, <sighs> so I came back after Christmas and everyone's like getting their college acceptance letters and all these things or, you know, still applying. Mm -hmm. and I was like, yeah, I kind of joined the army. Um, and so that's what I did right after high school. I enlisted right away for six years. And I had this concept, this idea that I'm going to go in and do the whole 20 years wow. because I was like, well, hell, I'm 17 in 20 years. Yeah. I'll be 37, which is weird because that's like, I'm going to be, I'm turning 37 this year, 2022. Wow. Life has changed than you thought. Life has changed tremendously. And it's so wild now I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but just that's an amazing perspective to have of when you are starting your journey in life, yeah. where you think you're going to go and when. And then when you actually get there, how radically different that is. Yeah, I, I'm thinking right now I would be working on my retirement, getting out of the military 20 years, but life has definitely not been that for me. And so I went in um, about two years later, less than two years later, my father actually passed away from mm -hmm. a terminal illness and it really... Two years, can you say? Uh, uh, two years into the military. Oh, it's been actually... The 22nd will be 17 years. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I was 19 years old. He passed away. And that's a very important part of my story because that was really the the traumatic event, this 18-month diagnosis and then ultimately his death. That was this major traumatic event in my life that ultimately called me to psychedelics mm. or was the reason why I felt like they would benefit me beyond yeah. just purely recreational use um, because he was my best friend. He was my hero. He was, you know, my everything and not just mine. You know, he was the glue that held my family together, yeah. our community. He was a very loved uh, entrepreneur and just advocate in our community for a lot of different things. And um, he, his loss 
was major for a lot of people. Yeah. And so after that, like I said, I this was a very important imprint on me, and it just completely sent me into a really dark place. Yeah. And so much so that I, I kind of just gave up living. Mm. I was never, I'll never say that I was suicidal, but the concept of if I woke up tomorrow or not, like I didn't care. And being where I was, the job that I had kind of made that opportunity more accessible. Mm. I was an active duty soldier in 2005. We're in the height, really, of OIF, OEF, Operation Iraqi Freedom and Enduring Freedom. I was just going to ask if you were actually in combat. Okay, yeah. So I was finishing up my training, and I was doing my thing. I was a military intelligence specialist. I was actually a Russian linguist, and so that was my job for a couple years. Uh, because my dad, uh, he was like, Chase, you're too smart to go be, you know, to be doing these other things. So it's mm-hmm. like, tr- you know, access your skill set kind of thing. He, he wouldn't Does have that mean you speak Russian? Yeah, you should go for Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I know st- what you said, but it's exciting. I still speak Russian. Okay. Yeah, they made me fluent and I'm still fairly fluent. Um, I try to practice it as often as so possible. So they taught you the language? Oh, yeah. It's a joke. I actually had to take Spanish summer school, and I had to repeat. I went to a, a private Christian school. Mm-hmm. I had to repeat Latin and take Spanish summer school. So I was a horrible linguist. I don't know why I thought that I could actually do this for a living, especially for our country. But I passed these aptitude tests, and they were like, yeah, you can do it. And then every day for a year, I shit you not, it's just total immersion training. Day one, no English. So I've got this babushka, this Russian grandma yelling at me day one in, in Russian. Wow. I've got no idea what the hell is going on. I'm just like, I don't know. Do I get the vodka? What's going on? Um, <laughs> and so it, it, it works. So every day for a year, total immersion, you get language, history, culture, um, geography, politics, um, culturalism, uh, colloquialisms. There we go. And just you learn the people, you learn the language, you learn the history. And after a year, it's the equivalent of like a four-year collegiate program. Were you in Russia for this? Or you so here? I was actually north. I was in Monterey, California. There is a, uh, it's called the Defense Language Institute. Mm-hmm. And it's basically a military language academy. Um, Army, Navy, Marines, Air Force, even civilians like NSA, CIA, people go there. It, they've got every language under the sun. You do your course and then you go out into the military as, as a specialist in that oh language and culture. Do they have that for civilians? Yes, actually. Yeah. If you're like a government contract worker. I or, mean, like yeah. just like wanting to immerse yourself in a language. I mean, obviously that's like one year of like intense. Yeah. All day, every day. So you would have to obviously just be like set financially just to be like. Oh, true. Okay. true. You know what I mean? Or like some it, kind of like you, scholarship. Or yeah. Something yeah. Like some that, kind of scholarship. Because yeah. like I my like fantasy is I would want to know how to speak every language like because I love. I actually love people and I love to communicate and it's in some ways it like bums me out that I can't Uh, fully communicate with the rest of the world everywhere. I would love to be able to just like matrix all (laughs) language to myself. I need a helicopter and posh to like, you know, Morpheus (laughs) load me up. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry to to get off, but uh, okay. So, uh, a Russian linguist. Yeah, so I was doing that, and like I was describing that because that's what I was doing for a few years, and just the the toll of his loss was just weighing on me and weighing on me and weighing yeah. on me. And I'll never forget there was this distinct moment, and anybody in the military will know this. Every year on your birthday, you have to do it in that month what's called a birthday month checklist. Uh, it's when you get your physical, you update all your records. It's just you do life admin, mm-hmm. and I went to do that. And they told me that they updated the life insurance policy to $400,000. And I had this kind of 
subconscious light bulb go off in the back of my head of, oh, so if I don't make it out alive, my family's going to be set financially. And it was kind of important as well because we grew up, I wouldn't say poor, but, you know, money was always a concern. I, I wouldn't even say middle class, really. Um, and so this, it just triggered something in me of, oh, my family would be set because now my dad's gone. I don't know my mom's and stepmom's, you know, family's financial situation. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't there when he was sick. So I felt this, this deep-rooted obligation and guilt about not being there and wanting to provide for them. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, let me see what I can do to maybe make that 400K happen for them. So I began wow. to try to seek out other deployments and seek out other opportunities to kind of change my job, you know, to basically get away from the Russian stuff and just go be soldier chase. Yeah. And um, I got passed over for this one opportunity. I wasn't the right rank. So I was like, okay, let me get to work. And I, I worked my ass off. I, I got promoted pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I became a, a sergeant in E5 in about f- four years. I became a staff sergeant in E6 in about f- less, technically less than five years, which anybody... In, in your audience who knows military, like that's, that's pretty fast. That's really good. Mm-hmm. But I was doing it with the intention of like trying to put myself in harm's way. And so one opportunity was coming down the line, was looking promising. And I was on the very first step of that journey of preliminary war game training of this other tactical training aspect. And I got injured and it was, it was only like day three or four out in the field. Um, running off just, you know, maybe a couple hours of sleep, you know, in all of our body armor and they were war game training. So I was leading this ambush. Um, and next thing I knew, like I, I blacked out when the injury happened. I was just coming over this hill leading ambush on this convoy of, of cars and soldiers and Humvees and everything coming through. And um, I heard and felt this really loud pop. And I thought, I thought I got shot. Like the pain, the sound, the, as fast as I was up, I was faster even going down. Wow. And I was like, what, like, this isn't a live fire. What's going on? I, I literally thought I got shot, like, in my back. And I was down on the ground. I blacked out. Next thing I know that the the medevac there, the med supervisor, is, like, trying to revive me and, like, hey, are you okay? I tore my hamstring. That's what the pop was. Oof. And my L4 and L5 vertebrae kind of went one way, and the rest of my back went another way. Oh, my God. Uh, I was what wearing, were you doing? Were you I just was wearing, like-, like, all my gear, had my weapon, and just, it was just the wrong movement in the wrong direction at the wrong okay. speed, just com- all these wrong things compounding. Universe is like, we're going to. I'm 100%. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. Because the universe knew my intention for what I was doing. Yeah. And the universe, my dad, God, whatever. Yeah. Was like, no, 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 no. And so that complete, that was the injury that wound up yanking me out of that deployment possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and it became so bad. I was like trying to, jump the gun and get back to things so much so that I wound up just kept injuring myself. And long story short, wound up to ha- I had both my femurs needed to be completely reconstructed due to Yikes. that initial trauma and yeah. the new injuries compounding. So not only was I yanked from that opportunity of not coming home of, you know, what I was out to do, but I was yanked out of my unit entirely. I was no longer a soldier. I became a patient for the next almost a year and a half um, mm. I've got from about the right about here, mid quad up to the top of my glute on both sides, these long incisions where they f- surgically removed and reconstructed my femurs. Wow. I've got two rods in both heads of the femurs to kind of like keep things in place. Yeah. And then it was just surgery, heal, recover, learn how to walk, 
And then once you can do that, about 18 months later, we go back and do the other side. How so old were you at this point? 21. Oh, my God. 21, 22. I actually had a hip replacement at 22. So even Oof. though it wasn't like that, but I, I know the feeling of like relearning how to figure it out. And you're so young. Yeah. yeah. And Damn. it was I was so young and just my life plan was shattered. And I was just, well, now what do I do? Yeah. Um, and so all of that is very, very important because the emotional trauma that happened, the physical trauma that happened, and just where I was mentally was laying this groundwork of years later what called me into psychedelics to kind of really work through. Um, so to fast forward a little bit through all that, I clearly could no longer do my job in the military, so they medically retired me, actually. Um, I could no longer be a soldier. I was deemed non-deployable. Once you're non-deployable, especially back then, like you, we have no need for you. Yeah. So I got kicked out, medically kicked out of the military. And um, I kind of just had this new light bulb go off that I, I didn't, despite where I was kind of mentally, emotionally, I wasn't willing to accept the physical limitation because I'd been active my whole life. Mm -hmm. you know, like I said, I grew up in the mountains, um, grew up in a small town. So just being active and living a healthy movement lifestyle was always a part of who I was. And then, of course, in the military. And then so I decided to just, you know, I'm not going to accept this this hand that fate has dealt me physically yeah. and I decided I'd be I didn't decide I really kind of became obsessed about let me learn anatomy let me learn physiology let me learn nutrition let me learn heal, let me learn the body and so I decided to go to school for it I got out um, used some of my military benefits to go to school yeah. um, I got my undergraduate in exercise science and really became passionate about this stuff and turned it into a career um, I started training people I started I was working as a health coach and as a clinical health coach mm -hmm. in a doctor's office for a few years. Um, wound up going to grad school for health promotion, um, became a certified health coach and just went all in into the health and wellness yeah. world because the more and more I learned about it, I was improving myself. I was going to say, yeah. how was your well-being then? Like, it was, was, just it, getting... was it just a direct path of like your happiness and as you learned health and it was so empowering it yeah. was so empowering I would learn something and I would be able to immediately apply it for myself yeah. and then I could also teach it and you know educate other people and coach yeah. other people and train other people on it um, plus it was kind of fun to pull the card sometimes of you know I'd have a client or a patient and they'd be like oh you know I 10 years ago, I stubbed my toe and that's it's just <laughs> it flares up and I can't I can't do any of these exercises Every once in a while, I'll pull the card about, well, you know, I had to learn how to walk again twice. Um, <laughs> I've, I'm like metal from the waist down. We all have bad days and good days. And like, okay, okay. okay I, I heard it already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like gentle, tough love. Exactly. Like, okay, just, a, just, a yeah. just a reminder that like you might be able to push hey, a little harder. You know, stubbing toe sucks. Nobody By likes it. By the way, it, no, but... it really does. I remember when, remember when Shaq had broken his toe and he was out. <laughs> everybody gave him a hard time. Although, but you know what? When you, when you, if you really... Your feet are so important, though. Oh, yeah. I remember I had uh, um, my Achilles had tendonitis. Mm. Oh, my God. I, like, I was playing softball. I played at Villanova, and I... I couldn't even like running. It felt like gristle. I, so oh, I just, yeah. I know feet are important, but I also know that like, I just, it's just like, come on, Shaq, your it's like your, your toe, your toe. <laughs> you're going to be out for the five games or whatever. Well, hell, he's what? Like over seven feet tall. Yeah. His toe has got to be like the size of my hand. I'm sure. Absolutely. So, I mean, just, and maybe both. both <laughs> <cars>. <laughs> and honestly, in basketball, you're like stubbing your toe constantly. And just, so oh yeah. I get it. I get it. But still. So I, I, 
want to bring you back. So you're talking about perception, right? Yeah. You were talking about the perception of psychedelics and now you're on this health and wellness journey. As you've now, now tell me, it's about a year and a half now, a year, year and a half since your first psychedelic encounter? Um, almost a year and a half, yeah. It was October, it was my birthday, um, October 2020. Perfect time. Yeah. Um, so my question first is, the perception probably didn't go away right away about psychedelics, right? You grew up in a household that said, this is bad. At what point did this is bad turn into curiosity? Then did, when did curiosity then turn into, okay, yeah, maybe I should do this. Like what, what was the catalyst for you? To answer that, let me go back just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I say, I consider my first psychedelic experience was with psilocybin, mm -hmm. but my, some people will say MDMA, they'll classify it as a psychedelic. Now that I've gone through a few psychedelics and I've had multiple different experiences, both clinical and recreational, I'm kind of on the train of thought that I don't know if I would classify MDMA as a psychedelic. Yeah, not a traditional one. It doesn't right. feel like a traditional. A traditional is a good word. Yeah. Yeah. So technically, my first ever introduction to the drug space, I guess, was with MDMA maybe like a month before that. Okay. So it was like late summer 2020. And all the things you just asked me, I had this just come to Jesus moment in an opportunity. Someone presented it literally just like, here, take this. Um, it was, you know, late summer 2020, like I said. Red pill, blue pill. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it, you know, everybody was just kind of like losing their mind with COVID and I nobody's, nobody's been out. And, um, my wife and I were at this this house party, I guess, basically up in the hills, yeah. um, hosted by someone we both know um, with other people that we all know and that are all um, lawyers, established professionals, doctors, anesthesiologists, pharmacists. Mm -hmm. And I was looking around. I was like, I, I know all these people. I trust all these people. They're yeah. very well established in their careers, but they're doing drugs. Yeah. And... This person who I know and love and trust literally just opened up and was like, take this. And all the questions you just asked me came flooding to my mind. And I was like, is this wrong? Is this right? What am I going to do? Blah, blah. And it felt like an eternity, but it was just like a millisecond. And ultimately, I was just like, fuck it. Um, you know, what is going on in the world these days with the pandemic? Totally. What is going on in life? You know, I, I finally just made this decision for the first time in my life that I'm going to act out of my volition and my decision making and my choice and so I took it mm -hmm. and had this incredible experience um it was like a, a a half dose I guess and so it wasn't anything wild and crazy was but it MDMA or it was it MDMA ecstasy? okay yeah. yeah um and uh but it was I had an incredible elated experience and I just began to see people and things differently and for the first time ever I experienced this kind of detachment from the ego mm -hmm. I just saw things obje way more objectively and I was like, how could this be bad? Yeah. You know, well, anything to a certain degree. I mean, sure. people become orthorexic over the obsession, obsession and compulsion of healthy eating and all these things. There's definitely an argument to be made sure. that recreational drugs can be abused. Absolutely. But I was like, that's it. I, I, I don't feel like I'm going to hell now. Um, I had an incredible epiphany about myself and a couple people that I have relationships with that within 24 hours I had conversations, very real, raw, open conversations that 
squashed some like arguments and mm. friction points and just cemented relationships in a way that have never happened before. Yeah. I was like, wow, like this is, this is love. Yeah. It's really interesting. I, nobody's brought that up yet. And what a powerful point, which is, you know, we're hearing more and more about MDMA and romantic relationships, mm. because obviously that's a, it's a very uh, obvious one-to-one and also for like, you know, PTSD and things mm. of that nature, but just your relationships with others, your mm-hmm. relationships with your friends, relationships bonding you in different ways is um, something I think is like so needed mm-hmm. right now in a time where there's so much like disconnect and stuff happening and to be able to like be in a heart space that you're open enough and willing enough and you're not triggered yourself oh, yeah. in being able to express like, look, man, like this thing happened and, you know, and both of you kind of in that space can finally because the ego mind isn't there so it's like it really can on like just relation relationships in general i think it could just be such a powerful tool for us but the reason they call it an empathogen and the heart opener yeah because that's exactly what i felt and especially like to your point if you're both using that same substance like that those walls are dropped Mm -hmm. and you're on that same mutual energy exchange and you just you see each other for nothing other than who they are and like I, I love this person like yeah. why am i why am i holding this over their head or or even like i love myself why am i holding this over my head yeah and that's i had all this at the exact moment um i mean case in point like later it was like li- way later that night or like the next morning um i turned to my wife and i was just like i began to cry and i told her there was this th- we have like this one argument this one thing that was just like this repeat dumb couple bicker thing that was I now know was just 100% on me and was it was just something stupid about um a family matter and I just turned to her and I realized like I've been so wrong about this I the the argument that I've been trying to make the argument we've been having has been because you have something in your family that I don't that I want Mm -hmm. and it bothered me that you were getting it basically yeah. you were getting this form of, of attention and um kind of tough love sometimes that i don't have because her family she's middle eastern they're persian they're all of each other's ass all the time <laughs> um and you know but but, but that's family and that's yeah. love and yeah. you know love comes with you know love comes when you want it and when you don't but love yeah. is always there when it's there yeah. and in some ways like i wish i had more of that in my family and uh, i just turned to her and i started crying and i was like i apologize like it's never been about you. It's been about me. And I just see this love and this aspect in your family that you have that I don't and I want. And it's been a year and a half and that's never come up again. Wow. Ever. That's fucking yeah. amazing. Like it was just done right there. Good that for you to like really like see it and not just see it, but like be openly like, mm. I am so sorry. Because it's one thing to see something and be like, oh shit. And you kind of just... You know, exactly. never bring it up again, yeah. but like Let to actually skate, yeah, out <laughs> skate out of this real quick. Okay. We'll never <laughs> fight about it again. I guess I'll never bring it up again. But, but to actually like express that to her is just yeah. so, that's so beautiful. And yeah, I mean, I, one of my questions for you and we'll just skip around cause it's so everything's beautifully coming up as I wanted to ask, which was yeah. just how, how have psychedelics impacted your relationships, mm. whether, 
um, that's romantically or with friendships or just how you relate to people in general. Mm. Even pulling back from like MDMA, because I know uh, some of those more traditional psychedelic experiences really uh, can be very like life altering in mm. terms of the way in which we view the world. Have you noticed how you relate to people change even outside of the influence now that you've Oh, dabbled? absolutely. Absolutely. I think, um, especially since using psilocybin, it has made me so much more um, slow to respond in a good way. Yeah. It has allowed me to see everything for what it is, people in particular, um, through several, I've had some pretty good deep trips that I think everybody can kind of relate. If you've had one, you kind of experience the oneness of everything. Yeah. You experience the oneness of, of this couch, of you, the stars, the everything. Like you experience them all together and you realize that we are all here collectively just existing mm -hmm. and it's not me versus you. Yeah. Um, and I've also realized just because of what it has kind of stirred up in me, like it makes sense as to, oh, like, oh this, I understand now why maybe I was responding in this way. And it helps me, it helps me myself understand the tip of the iceberg and the bottom. Yeah. And I can look at it all with no judgment or no shame. And I can just understand it for what it is. And 100% out of an experience, out of using, I still see that. And that's what I love the most about yeah. psilocybin is that in the mental, emotional, and even for me, physiological things that have happened in a way that it has changed me. Like they're long lasting. Yeah. Like when I, when someone is clearly just being a dick, uh, or just going off, or you know, you know, driving irrationally, or you know, whatever, I this last year, like it just doesn't bother me. Yeah, I'm like, oh, like I almost immediately, depending on the action, I almost immediately can see you're doing this because of laundry list of, yeah, of yeah, like yeah. root origin stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, because nobody acts out. I don't think, I don't think, I don't, and I'm choosing to believe that I don't think people are intentionally malicious when they're acting out because the more and more I understand of why I act certain ways that I do in a positive or negative light, mm -hmm. I'm able to trace it back and kind of yeah. work through that root origin stuff. Like, well, I can't be special. Like, I'm human, you're human, so if I'm acting like a dick and you're acting like a dick, odds are there's a similar or maybe a totally different reason, but another reason, not yes. the here and the now. Yeah. It's just how, it's the tip of the iceberg aspect. Absolutely. And so it, it has allowed me to respond so much more um, uh, positively yeah. and to slow down a response instead of to react and just to really see people for like honestly that inner child that they are yeah. and and because in my experience that's that's all we are yeah we're just these small small children reaching out for love and when we don't get it we respond in a way that attracts attention in hopes that we're going to get yeah. it. yeah there's like different ways you mm -hmm. either uh stop and play dead or it yeah. turns into depression right which is yeah. more of the play dead like depressed or or you lash out mm -hmm. you get angry at somebody who's you know we see this a lot on social media mm -hmm. too of just um, I, you know, at certain times I remember just like looking at what people would say to each other. I'm like, what is, why would you say that to somebody? Yeah. And yet to your point, like as you kind of, especially through like, I, I've had very similar experience with psychedelics is just understanding like, oh, that's just wounding. Yeah. You know, that's just, that's coming down from like exactly, a deep yeah. place of wounding. And, um, I think 
the idea of response, slowing down response mm-hmm. instead of reaction is everything that is why I feel so good about this psychedelic mm-hmm. renaissance mm-hmm. that's here is because that that little thing alone, despite everything else, despite like all oh, the cool things that can happen, and I know you've had some cool things and we'll get into it. Yeah, but yeah. but but despite just like those big moments, it's like those things like, oh, responding, yeah. responding, not reacting. Like imagine if all of us took a little time before we- um, Just a breath, literally a breath. a breath. Yeah, take a breath, take five minutes. You know, I I did. I finally started doing the, I haven't even had to, the need for anything like this, but like, you know, the when they say like, write out an email that you want to say. And if you want to send it, send, wait, sleep on it and then mm. send it the next uh-huh. day. And yeah. like, I've did that probably a couple of times in my life. This is more like when I was in my twenties. And of course the next day I never sent it. Yeah. I rewrote it in a way where I was like, okay, the, the, the fire energy is mm-hmm. now neutralized. And now I'm reading this and I'm like, okay, that's a little, I'm, I mean what I say, but this is going to, triggered their defense because mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. would be defensive if Absolutely. I, if I receive this, it's going to cause even more problems. Most likely. Right. And like, then they're not going to hear you. Mm-hmm. And so if you really want to be heard, it's like, it actually, to me really to be heard, it has to be from a place of a slow, uh, thoughtful response mm-hmm. and thoughtful for the person that you're speaking to Absolutely. as well, even yeah. if you're angry, because the chances of, the, of it, actually unless you're just fighting to fight then then that's unconscious wounding again exactly yeah. that's unconscious yeah. but if you are wanting to find resolution with something but you actually want your your partner or your friend or your family member to hear it that slowing it down mm. and being like okay how how do i want to be spoken to you know it comes yeah. back to the like golden rule stuff like at the end of the day and it really shows us that that unity that you were talking about absolutely yeah. So um, let's, before we, I'm going to, I want to end with your amazing ketamine story. Oh, I, yeah. for everybody <laughs> listening, I got like a small, tiny taste of it. And then I have, I know nothing. So beyond that, um, but I want to talk about physiological now mm-hmm. impact of psilocybin because this is cool you're obviously health coach you have a very successful podcast for the past five years talking about health and fitness mm-hmm. you know your stuff in this uh department so tell us about the 30-day psilocybin microdosing journey you did what were the results what do we need to know so in kind of continuing to use psilocybin I was having all these very emotional responses and just positive emotional, mental things happening. And I was curious, well, what would happen if I did it on a more regular basis? And so I sourced a microdose. Mm -hmm. Um, It's 0.165 milligrams of psilocybin. Uh, Also includes a myriad of other, it was basically kind of like this, like superfood supplement. Um, It has functional mushrooms like lion's mane, cordyceps, uh, shellagit, vitamin D3, a lot of other things that I'm very familiar with. And I think a lot of people are yep. and kind of like normal supplementation or things you're looking for in your diet anyway. And so I said, this all looks good. Um, let me just see what, it, what, it, what's going to happen. And this particular protocol for this, this product was two days on one day off for one month. And then should you choose to do it again, you take one month off. So a month on month off month on month off. And so July, 2021, yeah, we're in 2022 now. July 2021, I started and one day on, or excuse me, two days on, one day off. 
two days on, mm-hmm. one day off. Mm-hmm. And did you make up that or were you following something? This was the recommended protocol for this particular product. Okay. From yep, got from it. From the source. And I think a lot of people, if you had a micro, if you've gone through a microdose protocol, um, you will know that almost right away, and especially in the first couple of days, typical things happen: increased energy, reduced brain fog, clarity, focus, um, just vitality. You're just on. Yeah. At least that was my experience as well. But then I started looking at. I use uh, a lot of different devices. So I have an Apple Watch here. I have a Whoop physical activity tracker, mm-hmm. and I've been using this for like two and a half years now. And I use it to kind of get feedback, biofeedback on things like resting heart rate, respiratory rate, heart rate variability, <coughs> excuse me, um, like my sleep health, my overall recovery rate, how how my body is going through a strain, uh, a workout session. Mm-hmm. And I began to notice these really interesting upticks in my data on all of my biomarkers, not just one, all the, all the, th- any of the things that my devices are tracking, all of them were improving. Hmm. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, you know, I, I, would, I would look at my schedule. I'd kind of analyze things. Most of like 80, 85% of my life, my diet, my routine is consistent. So I said, like, well, the only new variable here is this, this microdose. And so I began to track it and I looked at it. And within the first week, my heart rate variability had doubled, which is a good thing. I was going to say, I don't know a lot about fitness, but yeah. So that's like, is that unheard of? Like it's. It's it's very rare. Okay. It's it's hard. I mean, you can have a great workout and a great recovery session, and all the other areas of your life, in terms of your your hydration, your sleep, your nutrition, your everything, are so on point that I think an argument could be made that could happen. Got it. And so, sorry, this is this is I'm going to just like expose no, no, myself with heart. Way, yeah. Okay. So heart rate variability. So do we do we want there to be more of like a steady so it's not spiking all the time or is it like what's what's better actually so the higher is the better higher so is better okay a higher hrv number a higher hr hrv will actually whoop does like an average so the higher that number is the better and why it's better is because it it basically there are your heart my heart it does not have the exact same flutters basically same like palpitation same beats yeah between every second, every microsecond. There are little like little microseconds that are off. And what's happening there is your body, your heart, through your central nervous system is debating, is going through a constant, like constants and understatement, um, debate or choice. Are we in parasympathetic or sympathetic? Are we in fight or flight? Are we in homeostasis? Are we good? Are we chilling? Or like, do I need to be ready kind of thing? And so the longer, the, the, the higher that number, the more variation there is, the quicker your body is able, that means it's, a, your body's quicker to go back to like, like a chill, a homeostasis. Got rest it. And okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's not staying in that fight or flight position. So it as was often. keeping you basically in a, in a, in that place where you can and find that calm. Absolutely. Quicker. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it's an overall marker, a great biomarker for overall cardiovascular health. Um, I will even make the argument, and there are a lot of science, there, there's a lot of science, and a lot of studies out there that will say that HRV, when we're looking at longevity, especially, yeah. is is one of the key, if not the key marker we want to look at for aging resiliently in terms of your actual age versus your biological age. Mm-hmm. Um indicators and markers for possible cardiovascular disease, possible autoimmune disease, uh, especially possible brain health disorders, yeah. um, central nervous system disorders. And so I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. 
So yeah. not only was I feeling good and I was getting so much work done, I was so productive. I felt like I could just choose, you know, don't want to shift into high gear or low gear. Don't want to be just on and go, go, go and just work, work, work. Or I could kind of downshift and just be extremely present yeah. and very here and now. And so I began to look at the data and then lo and behold, at the end of that 30 days, not only had my HRV double, not only have all my biomarkers increased, and in fact, my HRV increased by 40%. Oh. So for reference, like a high for me, a high HRV before this microdose protocol, like the highest I could ever get was maybe like mid 60s. Okay. Um, now my lowest is a high 70. I, wow. And my average, my daily average most days for me, unless I'm, you know, Unless I get into shenanigans on a weekend yeah, or you know, yeah, I get poor yeah. sleep or jet lag or yeah. whatever. Um, like most days I'm in like the 140s. Holy shit. Yeah. Did it stay after the 30 day? It did. This is what blew my mind the most, Kat, was I was like, okay, cool. So it makes sense. Like I'm used to taking supplements. I'm used to adjusting a variable in my training, my sleep, my nutrition, uh, um, you know, even like a, a mindfulness practice. And that can most likely yield a result. But that doesn't stay if I don't keep up with the practice usually. Right, right, right. You know, I can't increase my muscle mass by training for, you know, a year and then stop training for a year and expect it to stay. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, yeah. But with psilocybin, it did. Every biomarker that I tracked, and in particular HRV, it increased 40% in 30 days and has stayed elevated. What? It has stayed elevated. I it, was. There's been no drop off. No, I mean, like I said, every once in a while, if uh, I mean yeah. jet lag, if yeah, I'm yeah. you know partying or whatever. Usually for me, it's like if I have very limited poor sleep and, and even just like a glass of alcohol, which is another thing psilocybin has done for me. Um, I've just become uninterested in alcohol. Yeah, I, I don't really drink either. Like I, I mean, I'm I'm definitely not right now, but yeah. I just. I kind of lost interest. Like, I'll enjoy every, like if I'm out to dinner, maybe I'll get a glass of wine or, mm -hmm. you know, a, I'm a, like fall is my favorite kind of time of year for the beers. Mm -hmm. um, and it, even then I'm just like one. Yeah. I've just become uninterested. Yeah. And that's what I, me personally with psilocybin, it has done so much for me physiologically. Uh, and it has just like, it has awoken something in me that has allowed me to, be in tune with my mind and my body in ways I never thought possible. Well, even you saying I'm able to upshift or downshift mm -hmm. to even, you know, we live in a culture where it's hustle culture all the time and it's go, go, go. And, you know, when you think of like yin and yang, yeah, uh, yeah. that's, that's also, there's the go and then there's also the receive mm -hmm. and we're not really taught the receive. And so if you're already, acknowledging your own like oh yeah there's times like i need to like downshift now oh, yeah. and be present like you said and and stop and receive like w were you always that present of mind before your psilocybin journey no no i mean i i would say looking back i would say that i thought that i was sure but i i didn't know it's like before maybe you start uh you know going to the gym or cleaning up your diet or whatever like oh i think i'm healthy i think that i, I yeah. feel relatively good but until you actually know what good feels like you you don't know yeah or yeah, you yeah, finally yeah. get like a week straight of just the best night's sleep of your life and you're just like oh this is what i can feel like you <laughs> yeah know? this is being well rested yeah, exactly got yeah. it so i thought that i was and you know and in ways i, I in, in certain ways i was but yeah. nowhere near close to what i was 
since using psilocybin, and, and in particular after that microdose protocol. Um, and it stayed. That's the, that's, that's the most amazing thing. Um, and I think the argument can be made for most psychedelics is that you have one small experience, you have a significantly profound experience, um, or just you know any kind of level of that spectrum. It changes you then and there, particularly through perspective. But it's, it's so interesting also in physiological ways now that like that stays. Yeah. And, and but there's something, you know, this this reminds me a lot of, you know, they're doing a lot more studies around how the mind affects the body, right? Mm -hmm. The mind uh, more and more like you've got like your Joe Dispenza's who obviously spends lots of time yeah, on yeah. on on that. And, and they've they've done like some insane studies around um People, you know, obviously the placebo effect. Oh, yeah. Honestly, I mean, if you just look at the placebo effect, that is miraculous. I think it's we, real. we forget that how insanely incredible it is that just the thought, just thinking that you're getting medicine mm -hmm. actually heals you. What? Yeah. What, what? What? Yeah. So to me, it's like two things either were happening would for your experience, which is either the, through the new neurological pathways and then the neuroplasticity of the brain and and whatever that somehow it's signaling, yeah, I guess something to your central mm -hmm, nervous mm -hmm, system or something mm -hmm. to, to have it stay or kind of like what we were saying with, with that state of calm, like just like, like the, the training of your mind, like mm -hmm. this is the, this is what the new normal feels like. And exactly. it's just, here's your new baseline. Yeah. Here's your new baseline. Like, here's what it can feel like. So now that you know, and I think it is like those ceilings. Like if you can break through like mm -hmm. the ceiling, you're like, Oh, now that I know, like this is now my baseline. And, yeah. and who knows how, how much better it can be. That's the coolest part about all this is, I mean, you also hit on a key term there, you know, neuroplasticity. And we know it's proven that in particular psilocybin has this incredible neuroplasticity, neurogenesis effect. Also even just functional mushrooms like lion's mane. I was talking yep. about earlier. Lion's mane is this amazing, Functional mushroom, nootropic classification, crosses the blood-brain barrier, and actually doesn't, not only does it allow you to, like, on, it fires neurons, but they say, you know, neurons that fire together wire together. So you get this experience of the here and the now of the benefit of that supplement of that mushroom, but when your neurons, when your brain quite literally lights up in new ways and connects in new ways, like, that doesn't go away. Yeah. You, you are now turning on light bulbs in your brain mm -hmm. that you and your brain didn't even know were there yep. or were so old and turned off that like you just laid new conduit to yeah. basically. Yeah, and because you're microdosing, it's constantly firing. So yeah. it's like, that's the part that's the part about the regiment, which is, and yes, they the big, big trips can also have yeah, yeah. different perspective shifts. But I think when you think of that kind of microdosing, it's like the consistency, right? It's it's training when, when they say like, it doesn't take that long in like your developmental uh, developmental years that like touch a stove three times or whatever, oh, and it's yeah. suddenly and like that's like now like that imprint is that made. Imprint you know? is made. Yeah. It's done, and so like when you're doing a a two days on one day off kind of thing, mm. and you're in like a flow state, and your body is calm, and like it's constantly that's the new signal, and it's continuing to signal. I mean that mm. it sounds like it's it's just creating new. Um, habits almost like in the oh, body absolutely. besides from like a mental habit, right? Yeah, which, you know, I've kind of thought about that. The I guess like the scientist in me is, well, is it the psilocybin 
Like, is that the sole responsible party? Or is it just the fact that maybe psilocybin is this gatekeeper that is opening up things in our body that are already there that once it can finally learn how to function properly and, like I said, turn on more light bulbs, like, no, it's the body, but it just needs a little help. I, I feel like a hypothesis could be made for, you know, either or. Yeah. But, I mean, I could tell you from personal experience uh, up to that point, you know, 35 years of my life, uh, I, I'd say a solid 15 years I've been on this, this kind of wellness journey. Yeah. I've done damn near everything in terms of this modality, this diet, this workout, this regiment, this practice, this hack, this everything. And so I feel like after 15 years, um, Sorry. I, I would have had it figured out. Yeah. Uh, or I would have had this hack nailed down. But I mean, I've been using functional mushrooms and adaptogens and things like that for six years, seven years. So I'm no stranger to cordyceps, lion's mane, reishi, turkey tail, chaga, yeah, yeah, all yeah. these things. Um, good sleep, micronutrients, super greens, good diet, all these things. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until psilocybin. It, it's like what we know about CBD. We have this endocannabinoid system that is just, it's like, it's another system, like our central nervous system that is there and only responds. It, it has a, a set of keyholes that only the CBD key unlocks. Just like CBD, CBN, mm -hmm. CBG, CBH. So what is so unique about, you know, the mechanism of action with psilocybin? I mean, it's molecular compound that fits so perfectly yeah. and so exclusively, so exclusively into our brain and into the rest of our body mm -hmm. that turns us on in different ways. Yeah. Um, so for me, I think overall my kind of uh, analysis is that psilocybin, psychedelics, absolutely have a unique lock and key kind of mechanism of action to our bodies and to sure. our minds and to our brains uh, in both a, a mental, emotional, and physiological and biochemical way that, like I, I say in a lot of other ways, that when we do certain things like finally get good sleep, increase our hydration, uh, get physical activity, get sunlight, it brings our bodies to a new level of living that it wants to be at. So you can raise your homeostasis, you can raise your baseline in ways if we just give our body and our minds the right conditions for the yes. right amount of time. Um, so psilocybin works in really amazing ways. Psychedelics work in really amazing ways, in particular neurogenesis and neuroplasticity mm -hmm. that raise our vibration, that raise our baseline to a new mm -hmm. level so that when, you know, we're, we're off of it, like we don't come back down from it. Your body is like, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not going back down. To yeah, 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 no, no, we, no, no, no. we like it here. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> I skipped to the front of the line. Now I'm yeah, staying yeah. up. I'm staying a VIP. I'm staying a VIP. hundred yeah. percent. You know, I, I love the, I, I, I think both when I was listening to kind of to what, what is psilocybin doing? And I think on one hand, whenever I journey, I always um, have great reverence for the mushroom, you know, mm -hmm. particularly, mm -hmm. and and really um, acknowledge kind of the spirit of of it from kind of more of my spiritual the source. aspect, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And but the thing is, what much of my spiritual journey has been leading back to is actually back to the body. Mm. And uh, there's a few different books that I'm reading, a few different things uh, that really there's one called the Gene Keys. And another that I have right here called the Sophia Code. And mm. it's it's around how uh, within the body that we also hold these, not just greater states of well-being, but greater states of uh, enlightened states. Mm. That it's fascinating. It's been it's such a journey for me, honestly, in this past like 
that's fascinating. Couple couple weeks and yeah, that 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 there's also within our own DNA is our highest potential, oh, not yeah. just on a physiological level, but also the the on a spiritual level, mm-hmm. on a mental level. That um, because you know uh, we already have everything. We have everything. We have everything. We have everything. Yeah. And and I think that's why for me, and I was just telling you, like, I'm I'm on this kind of like 40 days of devotion, and that means a lot of things to me. But one of the things that it really means to me is I'm I'm doing movement every day, first thing at like five in the morning, mm-hmm. like getting up and and really treating the body as as a temple right now. And not just like a 2022 resolution. I mean like as a lifelong commitment to not just longevity and well-being and like i want to enjoy life <laughs> as much as i can you know like it's i want to be enjoyed i want to yeah. enjoy it and to enjoy it you need your health mm. you know to really to really enjoy it and also as somebody who's on the spiritual path uh the idea that as i purify mm. the temple mm. that i'm able to receive so much clear mm. from the divine and it's it's all one you know, it's all part of the same thing, mind, body, spirit. That's beautiful. I mean, think about it. If we are here to receive this kind of, this this download, right? Mm-hmm. Why would anything want to, it's like loading the most, most recent version of iOS, trying to put it on the first iPhone. <laughs> yeah. It's just not going to work. You might get, yeah. like some shit might go through, some yeah. things might work. It, the The operating system, the hardware might understand and be able to, okay, let me put this stuff here and, let, and then also let me know what to do with it. Um, but it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Uh, I love that, that that kind of description, that analogy. It, it, the more we focus on improving and honoring the body and the mind, it it just it activates things. Like we have the CBD, CBD system, the endocannabinoid system, and like we have these lock and key mechanisms of action mm-hmm. for psychedelics. Well, they're all there. It's not like we have to go get a surgery or an implant in order to upgrade our hardware of the body. No, it's all here all the time, just waiting for us to give it what it needs, give it what it needs and honestly respect it. Yeah. Like respect it. And then once we respect it, it respects us and it goes a step above that. It it respects us and then gifts us. Yes. Gifts us. It really does. With well-being, with longevity, with clarity, with energy, with you know health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I love it. Let's let's move to now. I'm super excited. So I know psilocybin has been a game changer, but I know that you have recently done a ketamine assisted uh, assisted psychotherapy session. Mm-hmm. How many have you done? Two. Okay, and two. I have my third actually in like two weeks. Okay. Amazing. I have never done a ketamine assisted, uh, session before. Ooh. I've tried ketamine, mm. uh, very different. Obviously it can't just I be haven't. like, Oh really? I and like more of a kind of recreationally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, ketamine for me isn't my favorite in a recreational standpoint only because it is such a disassociative mm-hmm. that I, the last time I, I tried it recreationally, I was actually in the middle, I was like dancing or whatever. And I was like having fun, but I was so out of body Mm. and I was having such a, I was like communicating with 
<laughs> I don't even know, like beings from another planet, uh -huh. like straight up. Like I just was. I feel you. And I was like, okay, but but I, I was like, okay, so the next time I do ketamine, it's not going to be in this context because I like to be present with who I'm with, and I'm I'm not right now. I'm I'm. I'm quite literally like the galaxies right now. So I'm like trying to like pretend to have it together. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I understand why people like it in that sense. It's just for me in that kind of a recreational place. But what I, what it showed me was the power of what it could be used therapeutically. A little glimpse. Yeah. A little glimpse. And so now can you break it down for us, Chase? Like, what was it like? Where'd you go? Uh, what was the process? What did it look like? I mean, blow by blow, give it to us. <laughs> so to really bring it full circle to my story, you know, I said earlier, the loss of my father was such an important event for where I am today, what I'm doing today, um, and how I am now finally, 17 years later, choosing to, in the most vulnerable, open, and just truly surrender way to the grief and the loss and the trauma. Um, 17 years, I have finally realized and I've decided I want, I, I want to move into the acceptance phase of grief. Um, my father's death and the loss in that whole period of my life in the military, um, I have PTSD, diagnosed PTSD that I have on again, off again, just worked with, worked around, therapy, personal work. Um, so much so it would be, you know, panic attacks. It would be panic attacks on the verge of convulsions and a seizure. Wow. Um, being unsafe behind the wheel of a car when a song would come on the radio that my father and I used to, like, jam oh, out to. Wow. Um, having to leave movie theaters because there would be a death scene that reminded me exactly of how they covered the body up in the hospital of my father. Or even just hearing the word terminal or, or, or um, illness, disease would just trigger me in ways and like years would go and I would get a little bit better, a little bit better. But I, I knew, and especially after having that year of psychedelics, um, it opened up my eyes and my heart to the possibility of true healing. Yeah. And I was like, I want some, I want some more of that. And so I went to this local facility. There's one in LA here called field trip health clinic. Yep. Um, they're all over the U S all over the world actually now. Um, because True to form for me, like before I do anything, before you know, before I try a new workout or a different supplement or a biohack, whatever, I have to kind of observe it from afar. I need to study it. I need to kind of understand it. I need to talk to people that I trust and respect in the space and kind of just begin to formulate my own opinion and my really my own kind of protocol for how I'm going to go about this. And so that's what I was doing that past year with psilocybin and MDMA. And um, I had never used recreationally ketamine. And uh, I would just begin to study it and learn more about it. And I was following field trip and the work they were putting out. I was following maps. I was following um, uh, all these amazing people and just beginning to know people in the community to just understand it. And when ma the vast majority of them would tell me, I would have this kind of experience, this kind of healing, this kind of um, trauma work, it was just, you know, people say with psychedelics, like it calls you, it pulls you. And that's mm -hmm. exactly what was going on. And so I decided I'm in a place in my life. I want to, which sounds really weird to say out loud. Like I want to move past my father's death. Yeah. Like, no, I mean, that, I, that's, it's not that you would ever stop loving him. It's, no, it's no. more of the, um, that tether that's still pulling exactly. you from fully just living. 
it's a tether, and I, I, I've said that before. It's so beautiful. Um, it's a tether that has a weight attached to it. It's a ball and a chain mm -hmm. that you don't realize, you don't associate it in that way. Yeah. Because I built my entire life. Um, my brother, you know, I run Everford Radio. My brother runs mm -hmm. Everford Apparel. Like, it quite literally has become our way of life. Our mantra, how we get up in the day, our businesses. And so, but in a way, like, we were creating while still connected, that was keeping us, and I'm, I'll, I'll say me, that was keeping me weighted in the in the past. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I can still create, I can still have his memory, I can still move forward, go ever forward in my life, and kind of cut that cord. Yeah. And honestly, knowing my father, like, he'd be like, yo, Chase. <laughs> Should have done this, knucklehead, like. Knucklehead, <laughs> like, he would, he would literally say, you knucklehead, like, what the hell, man? I thought I raised you better than this. You know, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. why did it take you so long kind of thing? Uh, and so, yeah, so I decided, you know, let me go into this experience. And what I loved about field trip and what I love about um, integrated psychedelic therapy and, and psychedelics mm -hmm. integrated mm -hmm. together was it seems the whole set and setting aspect, the whole um, safety security protocol, because yeah. um, I'm stepping into quite literally the unknown. I would like to kind of have some knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, and you're you know? a fitness, you're a health and fitness guy. You're like, I want to know what what's happening here. I need some body. kind of data. Give me something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, what's going on? Yeah. Uh, oh, and it's funny too. Actually, all during my trips, I was tracking with my Apple Watch and my Whoop. I was like, what what kind of cool biomarkers am I going <laughs> to, what biofeedback yeah. am I going to get? Um, and so it was great for a couple of different reasons because first of all, it got me back into therapy. I had two, two sessions, two individual sessions um, with a therapist. Um, great. Through them? Through them. Okay. It's, it's all part of their protocol. Yeah, so, so they want to see where you're at. It's not just you... a ketamine clinic, it's, which you can go to. You can just yeah. you know, like get a drip of ketamine and they close a curtain, which can work for people. But for me, it, it, that's, that's not going to work. And so I had therapy sessions to really just talk about things in a way, in a readiness to talk about them in a way mm -hmm. that was never there before. And so, I mean, that was beneficial. And then two, going into the establishment for the actual treatment was like, it was like what I love about where I am in life now and especially being in LA was we had a sound bath. We had a guided meditation. Yeah. We had this amazing kind of rhythmic, tantric, uh, tribal music that just really quite literally gets you in the energy, in that resonance. And so my mind and my body were ready for this journey. And um, I actually went as part of, they have this program called Base Camp that's for military personnel. Uh, okay. So it was technically a group, uh, a couple, unfortunately, a couple of the guys fell out. And so it was a group, but it was just me and one other guy. Okay. So it was me, this other gentleman, and the therapist were all in this room together. And imagine the most zen, beautiful, chill, quiet, cozy, comfy room you could imagine. Mm -hmm. We lay down on these very amazing like ergonomic uh like floor mattresses kind of things mm -hmm. um a weighted blanket yeah. um they take all your vitals make sure you're, you're physically capable and ready they put you know a uh, an eye mask over and um and then you know they inject you intramuscularly and in about two minutes you're like good night I to say to say that i was flying through the cosmos faster than the speed of light flying through space and time is like the biggest understatement of my life. Oh my God. And, it, but what first happened actually was, um, I had, I, what I guess is defined as like a full complete ego death. Mm -hmm. So the, the way I describe it was within the first couple minutes, I was like in the vastness of nothingness. I would, but I was hanging onto this ledge. So imagine like you're on a cliff, right? Or like mm -hmm. a, a ledge of something or, or a roof and you're hanging on and you know, you're slipping. 
you know it's literally just a matter of time before you fall and you die. And so I was hanging on, I was hanging on, I was slipping, I was slipping. And then like, as I slipped and I fell, it's like, have you seen Get Out? You know, when he falls into the sunken place. Yeah, That's what it was like. But my consciousness and my soul stayed up here and my, like, I left my body. Wow. And so at that point, I just became, like, I knew it was me. Yeah. Like, it was me, but I wasn't me. I wasn't my body. I was just a consciousness. I was this energetic mm-hmm. being of light. And from then, I was just gone, flying through the cosmos, sp- space and time. But if a couple trips to psilocybin before didn't solidify for me that time is totally irrelevant and doesn't, like, it's dumb. Yeah, yeah. Um, this We did. made it up. Absolutely. <laughs> this did, because... I, it wasn't a matter of, it takes me X amount of time to go from point A to point B. It's just, if I want to go to B, I'm at B. Yeah. If I want to go to infinity, I'm at infinity. Mm-hmm. There's no time. Um, but then. It's all of, intent. Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly. And um, we're, we're no longer bound by the limitations mm-hmm. of our consciousness, of our, even our imaginations of what we think is possible, relativity, physics. Um so I'm doing my thing. I'm flying through the cosmos, oh, um, just experiencing this. Like this is fucking cool. Um, and then out of nowhere, right up next to me comes my dad. But again, it's not my dad. It's not like his body. But it's just it's like it's like I'm looking at you. Like I know this is you. Yeah. It was my dad in this this energy, this being, this just consciousness. And uh, immediately, it's like we just picked up where we left off. There was no like sorrow no crying no nothing it was just like eh, like true to us we're just like he was such a jokester and like we were just like hey what's up what's up we're having fun like this is wild right this is crazy and we're just flying through space and time flying through the cosmos together and for me what the significance for that for me was i mean a the fact that i was like yo dad like what's what, what are you doing here yeah. um, the fact that i just had that moment why it's so significant for me was like some of the biggest guilt and shame that i had around my father's death was i wasn't there um, only my family was, I wasn't with him long enough. I wanted to be with him more. Uh, we, you know, I think anybody that loses a loved one, like, like, God, if I could, I wish that I was there and be like, I wish we could just get one more time, you know, yeah. one more hangout. Yeah. Um, and I got that yeah. and I got that. I got to spend, this trip was, um, about an hour and 15 minutes. So I got, and it's felt like forever. Did you spend the whole time with him? I spent the whole time with him. Aww. The whole time with him. And, and we were just like laughing and joking and we were just, we were, we were just together. And, um, and then out of nowhere, right at the very end, like uh, this, I use this analogy of like a drum, like two drumsticks on a drum. Mm-hmm. You have the very clear physical drum and you got the clear physical drumsticks. Well, my dad was the drum and I was a drumstick, but it was just like the being of a drum and drums, like just mm-hmm. the energy of just imagine just boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom. And out of nowhere, my brother, who was alive, um, just joined us. And like him and I wow. were these two just energy being, air quote here, drums on, or drumsticks on the drum of our father. And it was just all the three of us hanging out like we used to do, just in synchronicity. Our energies were all like, everything was just there. And it was amazing and it was fun and it was cool. Um, and then I could kind of tell that the trip was, was kind of coming to an end and I didn't want it to. And as... Like in the beginning, as I was kind of holding onto that cliff before I separated from my body, um, I was, I could tell that I was kind of like falling back into my body and I was fighting, I was crawling and I was like, no, 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 I don't want to go yet. Like, dad, let me stay here with you. Um, and true to nature, he's like, no, it's not your time. Not yet. He quite, he grabbed me and like guided me back into my body. And that's mm-hmm. when I woke up. <sighs> now that was round one. 
Wow. Let uh, me let me let me let me, <laughs> let me just that is such a profound story. I hope mm. so many people get to hear that. Mm. And before you even what does an experience like that do for you after? Do you know, mm. do you what what was that for you? Like do you feel was that the closure for you? Was that the start of that untethering like you thought? Do you feel that he's always still around? Mm. Do you feel like you need to be in a, a ketamine-assisted therapy? Like what, what does an experience like that do? That is a great question. Um, it, it does everything. Um, and I, I'm sure you can relate in experiences like that. People who have these psychedelic experiences these profound life-changing events it's more real than this world absolutely like, there is no doubt not a shred of doubt in my mind that what i experienced um was just it's not a figment of my imagination it's not anything because like i i i can touch me and i know this is real but like that touched my soul yeah yeah like listening to you out there's not a moment of me that thought that that wasn't one thousand <laughs> percent happening and I mean, when you go through something like that, you are forever changed. Yeah. Um, and so it was just this incredible way for me to to reconnect with my father. And and also for me, part of my first trip and my second trip as well, um, I always was just curious about like, well, what was he going through? Because with his illness, his disease, Lou Gehrig's disease, um, it affects the body and you, you literally just wither away. Your body just eats itself and you become a prisoner in your own body. What we know of it is that your mind is completely present in there. So you're, you just become a prisoner in your own body. Wow. Um, you, you quickly lose the ability to walk, to talk, to eat, to like do anything. You just, you shri literally shrivel up and just die. Um, and so I was always just like, what is like, he has like, what is he suffering through right now? What is he experiencing? And especially towards the end of his illness, uh, the last like four, th like three, four months, he was in a hospital just, you know, hooked up to machines. And um, even still then, when you would just look in his eyes, and especially before when he could actually communicate it, he was just so at peace. He, 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 he never once complained. And quite literally until he couldn't physically anymore, he would, he would laugh. And, and especially when he lost all ability to communicate or move, you could just look in his eyes and know, like, I'm okay. That's a very strong man. The strongest. Like, wow. profound. Wow. Um, what an awful way to go. I'm so sorry you had to see that. Oh, it, it sucked. It really did. It was miserable. I mean, for me and my family. And, um, I mean, it's which, which is another really cool thing about us is, like, just, just now to the point of talking about this, I'm beginning to get emotional. Mm -hmm. A year ago, like, nowhere close i could not even begin to fathom i cannot have this conversation with you yeah. at all yeah. um but just i was so pissed off about that i was like dad like why are you so okay with this why are you so and again i was making it about me i think anybody would why are you so okay about leaving me yeah. what is so good over on that other side that is not good enough to stay here for me our family all these things um and I got a taste of that. I, I, I got to experience, in my opinion, my experience, I was experiencing with him what he was going through then. I feel 
I feel like he was already, he was in this, this crossing over. That's the only thing that makes sense to me um, as to how he could be so okay with I it. I think so. And, I, and I've and i heard from just other, you know, sp- people and spiritual people that they're, when you are very, very close to death, mm. that you're already kind of leaving the body. One place in this world, one yeah. in the next. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that's where that transition, a lot of times, like with, even with like big falls and things, like there's a moment between the body, the mm. soul just kind of like, leaves very yeah. quickly and so that makes sense hearing about yeah. it too is like yeah he must have already been like all right i i get to fly through the cosmos yeah it's like no shit would you want to <laughs> hang up here yeah um, so yeah that for me was like the biggest takeaway i could spend time with him and and i really a big part for me like i said earlier i wanted to move into the acceptance phase of grief well like in order for me to accept what happened and to move on like i really i want to know and i hope to find out that he was okay and so I feel like I got that. You did. Yeah, as well. Did you spend on your second trip, were you with him as well? So the second one was, I, I think, the most insane event of my life. Um, the right. second, yeah. So <laughs> If that one wasn't already. If the first one didn't do anything for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, the second one was, like, initially a sped up version of the first one. Like, anything you do in life, you know, you experience it once, your brain's like, what the hell is going on? I have to wrap my head around this. But if you go back to it again, you're like, okay, I, I got some familiarity here. Yeah. So everything happened again. I was hanging off a cliff. I separated my body. I died. I was flying through the cosmos. My dad was there. But it all happened faster because mm-hmm. I knew what was going on kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, the second trip, um, so the first trip was, it was like a small introductory dose. And then they kind of, like, monitor you and see how you're doing. And then you're there. Like, I, I could respond to them and... They, they're like, do you want more? Do you want less? And so I got more. And so I worked up to, I think the first time it was a 25 milligram dose followed by another, I think 25 or 30. So all in all, I think I had maybe like 50 or 60 milligrams. Mm-hmm. The second time they give it to you all at once. Okay. So they're sending you in. Yeah. And you have a little bit more choice. Like, Hey, do you want the same thing you got last time? Or do you want more? I was like, I'd like to go deeper. So I got a single injection of 80 milligrams of ketamine and sent me flying Mm -hmm. immediately. So like I said, I went through all of that like I had the first time. And then, and again, I think a big part, again, my intention here was acceptance and to, to leave that behind me and to be in a place to where I can be at least here or hopefully kind of, you know, moving on in my life. What happened next was, Every single person, living or dead, that has been a part of my life in even the smallest way, uh, someone that I, I might have like known in you know in in my military unit or someone who had a very strong relationship with, and people that were alive and dead, all the they were all there. Everybody, and it was all like just the energetic, the beings, like this yeah. this light. And if you've seen um, Matrix Two. And they're all like in Zion. They're in like this big cavern. They're having like, it's the night before they're about to go to battle. And they're just like, it's just this tribal, just like everybody's dancing and just drum music. And it's just, imagine that, right? Okay. Imagine like a cool cave rave. Okay. Yeah. In. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, it was that, but every single human being that has been a part of my journey, part of my life, living or dead, was there. And it went from just all of us being there together, experiencing this thing to, I was like crowd surfing, basically. They lifted me up, and I was being like crowd surfed from the past, carried into what I interpret as like the present, 
And then this is where it gets really wild. So I mentioned earlier that I was there with my father, right? And we were just these energetic beings, these, these lights. Mm-hmm. The light that was my father, I went from seeing him and I was like, well, you know, kind of like, what's going on? Like, why am I the life of the party? What's going on? Like, what, uh, you yeah, know, yeah, what's yeah. happening? It's I surprise. mean, this is cool, but like, why yeah. am I the one being crowd surfed? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I was kind of like brought to the middle and then my father's light. When I went from seeing it to it, like, qu- it, like channeled into me and like went directly into my center of my body, directly into my heart. And what's so wild about this part is that I know this now after the fact, the therapist that was there in the room with me, um, at, at, exactly at that moment, I was wearing this necklace. I got these, goes to Tulum once, buys a, a bead necklace. Um, <laughs> I, I got this cool necklace. I was in Tulum like the month before. And uh, he said, Chase, you like, it's like you grabbed it, but it's like somebody else was using your arm. Uh, grabbed my necklace, pulled me upright. And for the next like 30 minutes of my trip, I was just like up. I was being down, being put up. I was like, the crowd surfing thing was happening. And so I was being like passed through. I was being laying down, going up, laying down, going up. And then ultimately like I got pulled up and I was just holding myself apparently like this. And it makes sense when he was describing this to me. That's when my father's light so you're actually me. physically holding on yeah. to the beads that you yeah. wore there. Okay. So like, but as if it's like someone else is using my hand to pull me up. Kind Got of it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then it's just like, I kind of like became, I had like this Iron Man moment where like, like the center of the chest, this light, it, my father went from being this being into quite literally being inside of me. And in that moment, um, I've had, I, I watch a lot of movies. Have you seen Interstellar? Yeah. That moment when McConaughey's character is in that wormhole of space and time and like he's going through space and visiting the spaceship and visiting his daughter and visiting like he's the guy in the bookshelf. Sorry, spoiler yeah. alert, everybody. Um, I she had gets it. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Whole moment, yeah. When she gets it, I had an interstellar moment there with my father when his light became my light. Um, and what's so unique about it was was where we were in the cause like the space, you know, during all this. Um, I immediately was transported back to time. My father, when he was in the hospital, he had one like to the right of his bed. There was one window that he would look out or when he would turn his eyes at least. And he was always just kind of like fixated. Like my fam, all my family knows this. Like my, my mom, I think even created a, a piece of jewelry with like the constellation um, of where he was there. Mm-hmm. So he would look out, look at this kind of like constellation, the star, and when his light became my light, I had that interstellar moment of I was experiencing that then and there for the first time, but we were also back when he was in the hospital. Oh. Like what he was looking at and why he was seemingly so at peace of what was going on was because he he was watching us together he, in that moment. He was already having that moment. Oh my god! Wow! Like I get chills every time I still tell that that story um and it's also goes back to like you wanting to have been there with him in the hospital like you're not only you're like what was that like for him i wanted to be with him for every moment and all this and like the whole time he was with you yeah oh my god yeah that is so beautiful and no matter how hard i try no matter how much emergency leave i got in the military no matter um how many trips you know back home i made like I was so hell bent on not only just being there, but it was important for me to be there when he died. I was like, if I can't be here every day, if I can't be here to support my family, mm-hmm. God damn it, I'm going to be here when he takes his last breath. And the last like two, three days he was alive, I was there 
in the hospital. I didn't sleep. I barely ate. I was just like, I'm going to be here. And I reached a breaking point. And I, long story short, I had to go take my sister to work. She was working at this fast food restaurant. I had to pick her up at like 5 a.m., drop her off. I was like, Brittany, I'm dying. I need some rest. I think you should go to the hospital. I really feel like dad, like it's his last minutes, really. I'm going to go take just like a quick, like two hour nap and I'm, I'm going to meet you back there. I went home, he passed away. So it was almost as if I wasn't meant to be there when he passed. Yeah. He didn't want me to. Yeah. But to your point earlier of like, he was, oh, he was okay. Cause we were already there. Like we were there together when he was passing. Yeah. And so this moment happened during my second ketamine journey of, of just like, getting everything that I was kind of looking for. I quite literally left one world. I was passed by all the people that were part of my journey from one world. I had this moment with my father, this, this moment of singularity of, of past and present, which gave me so much. I don't know if I'm honestly quite at like closure yet, yeah. but I'm so much closer Yeah, because I was like, wow, like this is why you were so okay back then. And, I wasn't with you when you died, but apparently I was, or I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, and I felt the weight of the world, like literally like as if earth was on my shoulders, I felt it leave my body. I felt it leave my body. I had this, just my, my soul exhaled in a way it never had before. Yeah. And then I kind of just like turned into the vastness and I saw this giant new world, uh, this, this giant just light. Um, and I kind of had like a little pause. This is breath of fresh air. And then I felt this new weight of a, a new world come on me. Mm. So heavy. that It literally felt like that for days. After? Just days after. What do you think that was? So my interpretation was, you know, Chase, maybe you got what you asked for, you know? So... I felt the weight of one world leave, which was my past, which is the history of all of this. Mm -hmm. But we can't be without, we as human beings, we can't be without purpose, right? We can't be without something. We can't just exist. Like what, what's the point of that? Yeah. So this new existence, this new world, my new, whatever, the future, my present, present. The, yeah, like, yeah. like I, I've came into being with it. And so as much of a relief as it was to let go of the past and literally that old world, um, like, okay, Chase, you had a moment of like freedom right there. You know what it felt like, like you quite physically can now let it go because you did. But now here's your new calling. Here's your new purpose. Here's your new world. And what was so cool was the past one was so clear and obvious. Like that's a world. <laughs> Here are the people. Yeah. The new one was blank. It was empty. So I, I interpreted it. I was gifted the rest of my life. I was gifted this whole new blank canvas, Canvas, blank world. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What a, what a powerful, powerful experience. And you know, I I think too, like the heaviness of, I, I was watching, um, the last kingdom. Have you seen that? Oh yeah. 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 Okay. So, you know, when he finally avenges the, the, we're giving a lot of movie spoilers. (laughs) No, I never talk about movies either on the show. (laughs) And that's hilarious. So he basically like, once he avenges the guy that killed his whole family, um, that hurt wasn't um, wasn't gone, but it was. But he was thinking that was going to be the thing because he was so fixated now mm-hmm. on the thing. And so you know, it sounds like almost for so long that the tether that was like that purpose, the fuel, mm-hmm. the drive was was a piece of your past, mm-hmm. which was dad, 
And suddenly it's like you're in the void again. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. you're in the void of like, oh, wait, now, now what's my purpose? Now what am I doing? Now that that's healed, that that piece is gone and dad's now going to help you forward into whatever the reason is. And, you know, I think you certainly like talking about these experiences, like the invaluable information that you're providing for people mm. is such, Hopefully. is so, so important. It's, it, it is because it's not just like, Look what ketamine can do, but it 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 speaks to such a deeper um, deeper areas of 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 spirit and energy and grief mm. and and purpose. I mean, like this is how you know. I think when people hear about hope, it gives hope. Mm-hmm. You know, when mm-hmm. you and I think that's the important part about sharing stories like this is because people can feel that like, okay, there's hope for me too. Like you know, that yeah. can relate to grief like that and be like, oh, okay. You know, so yeah. and then I, I, I mean, I'm not endorsed by. I have no affiliation with. I know partnership with Field Trip Health, but I'll say I thoroughly enjoyed my experience. Well, and because also in between those sessions, you know, you you're you're having work. You're working with a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, you're getting integration. So immediately after that that experience, I'm there with a the therapist again. I'm in this amazing environment. We can we talk it through. I'm able to kind of like brain dump a little bit right yeah. then and there. Get this yeah. feedback that's really great. Um, one thing that's really cool, I, t- I told you I'm doing it a third time. Uh, in a couple of weeks, I'm, my third time will be on the memorial of my father's passing. Oh, beautiful. So I'm kind of like, what the hell is going to happen now? If yeah. like, if I, again, if this whole space time thing is irrelevant, if I'm going to be journeying at the exact same day, the same time, time, uh, when he passed away 17 years ago, I'm really surrendering to this one. So yeah. Yeah. Do you have any, uh, like, you know, as your, as this weight is now dissolving, right? It's, Mm -hmm. it's not just dropped and done, but as it's, as it's losing its, its weight on you, have you thought about asking your dad, like, you know, as you, as you look towards the, you're, you're void, right? You're now in your present moment. Like, mm. can he be a mentor for you? Ultimately, can you, wow. can you ask him? Like, you know, I, I saw that your brother is joining you, like mm. what, what it is that you're going to be doing. Cause you know, I really believe that he's going to be now a, a, a guiding light for you going forward now as instead of, instead of, I wish I was there. Now he's an ally. Yeah. You know, right as you were asking that question, it kind of reminded me of what we were talking about earlier of we have everything we need. Yeah. Like it's just here waiting for us to to respect it enough to, to reveal itself to us and to be mm-hmm. able to be in a place mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, to not just receive it, but to know what to do with it. Yeah. Um, and it's so funny, so true to my father. I feel like the way that he will continue to be a mentor to me will be like, Chase, exactly like I've been here the whole time, exactly like you've had your family this whole time. It's just now, you know, you're in a place to where you can see it and receive it. And what's so unique about that experience with my brother is that um, th- literally the next day, barely 24 hours, I get a call out of the blue from my brother. He doesn't, we don't, we don't really call. Like, we, we'll text him, you know, kind of yeah, like yeah, Instagram. Yeah. But um, called me and was like, I want to do something. Like, he does social media i do social media we've never really come together Mm -hmm. um especially even since we both kind of operate you know 
we've applied Everford in our own individual, unique ways, personally and professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's we're working together. We're <laughs> we're collabing. <laughs> you know, um, which I interpreted as like my dad in that journey. Like we're the drums, we're the drumsticks. Yeah. Uh, you know, and again, it's just a reminder of like. Chase, look at what you've had this whole time. Like your brother has been here the whole time. Your family has been here the whole time. Mm-hmm. You've had this ability to kind of tap into your own resources the whole time. You knucklehead, you just haven't done it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's the beauty yeah. is like, that's now, that's going to be, what a beautiful, like, like almost like a clean slate for like mm-hmm. now 2022 to be like, okay, yeah, I do have everything that I need. And so now that you're in this state of receptivity and to be able to, hear guidance and to believe what you're hearing Mm. and you know that you've had these experiences like the what you can now create is so probably beyond anything that you could have imagined up until that point because you were probably using such a limited part of your own creative and you've already created a a, you've got an incredibly successful podcast and you you know the apparel and everything and you still are able to do that and yet Mm. this was you operating at um, still with a very heavy mm. weight. Now it's like, okay, what what does Chase create now that with all this unlimited kind of energy that's now going to be returning to you? How I think I'll answer that is so much of my life, since he passed away from age 19 until 35, um, I was creating and living and operating out of a place of what would what would dad want me to do? Mm-hmm. Or like, is this what he would want for my life? Am, am I acting in congruence? And it even kind of sounds weird for me to say that out loud because like that is not at all the relationship we had growing up. It was not like living in fear of my father. Or I have to live up to certain expectations or get this job or do this with my life. The only expectation my father and my family ever set for me was, can you look at yourself in the mirror at the end of the day and know that you gave it your all? And if you failed or succeeded and you know, really those are the only terms here and you make up those terms, you make up for the markers of failure success, but can you just know that you, you served and acted entirely from a place of, of, of love and intention and your fullest potential, whether I crash and burned in sports or whether I failed a test in school, if my father could look at me in the eye and go like, Chase, did you prepare for this? Did you study? Did you give it your all? And if the answer was yes, then he's like, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I give that backstory because I think it's important. You know, mm-hmm. I, I never had like this dangling expectation, my father. Yeah. But now, so it went from that to now after having this experience and this new energy, this new world. Um, and it's so funny, like, like we said earlier, it all goes back to just our inner child. Mm-hmm. Now I'm living, acting, and creating um, out of a place of I can't wait to tell my father what I did. That's so cool. Like I'm this kid, you know, I was like, dad, like, look what I drew. Look what I did at school. I got a home run in T-ball. Like we are just so excited to come back home to, to our, to our, our parent, our mentor, our guardian, whoever. We're so excited to come home and tell them what we did and share that with them versus living and acting out of what we think they want us to do. Oh, totally. You know, uh, completely. I'm, I'm very fortunate yeah. to have them. My parents too, of just like, yeah, they're my, the first people I called because you know, mm. it's that, it's that real, like unconditional, like they're so excited and so proud of you because yeah. like, you're a part of them. And yeah. wow. That's like, so- I would, I would come home to him now and I, or I would call him now and be like, 
Yo, dad, fucking crush it, you know, yeah, or crush like crush it, crush it on this yeah, podcast, trip on this. <laughs> like, yo, send me the link. Also, what's a link? I don't know how to work a smartphone. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just so excited now to to live and operate out of that energy mm-hmm. and to create a world, which again is so ironic because I know my father and I know this is what he would want for me to have done the entire time. Yeah. But now it's just like you know I'm a kid again and I'm coming home again. That is so. Fucking beautiful. (laughs) My final question for you is actually a little bit more practical for those listening. What was the process of getting into field trip health? Like, did you have to get a, like a referral from a therapist? Like, what was the deal? Yeah, good question. Um, So in my experience with, in particular, field trip health, they are technically, it's a concierge medical practice. Um, And like I said, I went through a unique um, military program, a veteran program. Mm -hmm. I had certain qualifications I had to meet of just, you know, my military service, my history. Um, like I said, I have a diagnosis of PTSD. Um, I, to my knowledge, I didn't need to have a PTSD diagnosis in order to okay. qualify for this program, but just my military service was important enough. Um, and so it was out of pocket. Um, the military group that base camp experience was at a discounted rate, but also I only did, it's only two sessions mm-hmm. instead of, I think they're as of last I checked their normal protocol is six. Mm. Um, and it's a few grand, mm-hmm. um, minor, I don't know the exact full number to be honest. Um, and I will say like total honesty, my wife is also, she's their clinic manager and family nurse practitioner. Oh, okay. Got it. Um, but she did not prescribe me like all the protocols were met there was another provider another doctor there or i think it was another fnp and i was a doctor um who prescribed my medication the ketamine mm-hmm. and like oversaw everything um it just so happens that you know she works there yeah I get um yeah. and so i, I mean, mean field trip is very is a very notable yeah they're yeah. they're they're great they're amazing i'm um, so no i didn't need to get a note from my doctor my primary care i didn't okay. need a referral um there were just certain qualifications in me with the military but anybody um the main contraindication when it comes to ketamine is cardiovascular issues. Gotcha. Okay. So like if you have, if you have your family history prone to high blood pressure, heart disease, heart attack, things like that. I mean, cause ketamine, I mean, it was, you know, it's created and used as an anesthetic. Yes. Um, and so odds are, if you've gone under for surgery, you've already been on ketamine. Yeah. Um, and so it, I mean, you do have to have certain medical qualifications okay. just to make sure you're good. But honestly, Ketamine is an extremely safe drug. Mm-hmm. It is an extremely safe psychedelic drug. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, I was monitored the whole time. I was hooked up. You know, I've, or they take your blood pressure and your vitals and everything there before. Um, a very, very sleek, non-invasive, in my opinion, um, like medical device I wore to monitor mm-hmm. um, blood oxygen count, heart rate, things like that, blood pressure. Um, and you're monitored the whole time. Yeah. So if, if anything does like go off the chart it's in like, a bad yeah. way, you're, 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 you get medical attention right there. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, it's good for people to know. And I'm, I'm just curious. I think there's a, there's a really big gap that I personally feel is in mental health, which is what they, so many people called like diagnosis, like quote, healthy normals, which is a really terrible term in my opinion. It's just like, it's not a good, like a healthy normal as opposed to like, what, who else? Like, you know, I yeah. just, I, but, but you know, when you're talking about baseline before, Mm. like early in the conversation, like how do you know what's good until that's how my mental health was. Mm. I was never uh, diagnosed. Like I didn't go and um, go to talk therapy, but because I thought where I was at was just the way life was. Mm. So just what I thought was normal. Like how I felt. So many people are there too. So many people are there until 
psychedelics until I started psychedelics and opened up, of course, my spiritual life in, in such a bigger way. And so then it just became, I was like, Oh my God, I didn't even know that. Like that my entire life I have not been operating at where, and I'm still not like I'm, I'm on the journey every day of, of, of becoming and, and, and wanting to be that happiest, most peaceful version of myself. Right. And so I just wonder with those kind of, um, places like can, do people have to be like have a history of like having depression uh, or like can like could can go to field trip in in my uh, my understanding is is yes okay. um you like literally you can just walk in off the street and like i'm interested in ketamine assisted psychotherapy um they go through the protocols the screening okay. and everything but where i seek Ketamine assisted psychotherapy, psychedelic assisted psychotherapy, um, really shining. And I think, um, like their main initiative is technically after you've kind of done everything else. Okay. Um, Got it. Cause a lot of people do treat it for substance abuse, alcoholism, severe depression, anxiety, PTSD, significant trauma events. And it's, uh, my term, not anybody else's. I think it's kind of like a, it sounds harsh, but like, like a last ditch effort kind of thing. Yeah. Um, because it's a wild ride. Yeah. Um, you know, and so there are so many other modalities, just like, you know, hopefully you wouldn't get a medication for something, uh, you know, for, you know, lowering your blood sugar or metformin, for example, for, for pre-diabetics and diabetics. Hopefully your doctor wouldn't just give you that if they saw an elevated blood sugar, elevated A1C before saying, hey, cat, Cut down on sugar. Yeah, let's reduce your carbs. <laughs> let's maybe <laughs> yeah. increase your exercise, you know, get some yeah. lifestyle modifications. Hope, because, it, because it is treatable through smaller modalities before introducing something as extreme as like a medication. Gotcha. Um, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. Well that, um, you know, I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that definitely makes sense. Instead of just, um, people not using, it. I mean, it's tough. Cause I think people, how I see psychedelics being, and maybe it's not for ketamine, but also the, uh, like a shake, mm. you know, like beyond just, having anything to pinpoint like you have something very specific to pinpoint you know your your dad mm. um many people don't have anything like very specific to pinpoint but there's just a deep level of what's the word i'm looking for like there's like an, i feel like there's an itch everybody knows that is there but they just don't feel the need to scratch it yet yeah it's like oh maybe maybe something you know maybe i could work on something or there might be something different or better or or maybe if I did some inner work, uh, I might find something. I think. Um, yeah, yeah. If I'm understanding your description, yeah, I, I maybe think- that maybe you're kind of answering it because, like, if you are kind of unsatisfied and and mm. disen disenchanted was the word I was looking for, mm. disenchanted with life and the world, like uh, psychedelics we'll it bring it brings some enchantment back. Mm-hmm. They sure do. There's a yeah. there's a magical component to it. So it's a it's a it's an it's an an ignition mm-hmm. that happens, and it's an amazing catalyst. It is an amazing catalyst. Yeah. So that's what I was wondering. But you, it makes sense to also not just be like willy nilly about like ketamine, and also obviously from a financial standpoint, it's not in. It's not if it, you're if you really yeah. need to go and like it's something to obviously take very seriously. Yeah, because yeah, at that point, if you're dropping you know thousands of dollars out of pocket, yeah, um, odds are you've gone through so many other treatments, and you're just like you know. I need more. Yeah. 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 Chase, this has been such a great conversation. What a wonderful way to start 2022. Thank yeah, you so much. I really enjoyed it. Um, 
And you know, I've talked about this journey and psychedelics and stuff before, you know, on my show, which is more of like a Yeah, health, tell health. me I'm sorry, tell me a little bit. Tell everyone about uh Ever Forward. What are you working on? Yeah. Give us give us what you're up to for the rest of this year. Yeah. Or at least the Thank first you. in the beginning. The, yeah, the rest of the rest of our lives, really. Rest of our lives, um, yeah. Time is dumb, remember? Um yeah, I was just gonna say this has been a a fun, unique opportunity to share it through the lens particularly of psychedelics, whereas, um, you know, my content, my world and my show is really, it's like, it's health, it's fitness, it's wellness, it's uh, personal development. And, and we kind of just sprinkle some of these other things in there. But um, thank you for the opportunity just to quite literally sit down with you and just like, we're going deep in the psychedelic stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's been able to, for me to kind of revisit and retell it in, in a in a cool way so thank awesome. you awesome no that's, um, and where can people find you on socials like how can they keep in touch yeah so like I said my show uh, it's all health and wellness personal development um, I say I kind of have three main pillars fitness nutrition mindset it's ever forward radio um, Apple podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts you can find ever forward radio um, and then yeah I'm on Instagram just sharing my life every day uh, of what I'm trying psychedelic journeys um, you know health wellness you know human optimization really at chase underscore tuning cool awesome i'll put all the details chase you. thank you so much again for being here i truly appreciate it my pleasure thank you everybody as always everyone trip on this <laughs>